This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Hey, what's up, Elevate? Hey, listen, happy first day of school. Right? Y'all like the first day of school? I know it's a little late to be saying first day of school because a lot of you folks in Terrebonne have been going. Some of you folks in Terrebonne haven't been going at all, but LaFouche just started up. And, you know, we just had our first day of school. I've had 38 consecutive first days of school since I was like six years old. And I love, I love, I love going to school. I love the fact that you get to learn new things when you go to school, right? Do y'all love that? Love learning new things when you go to school? You should, because you know what? You were made in the image of God. And people who are made in the image of God, like you are, have been given the ability to create. You've been given the ability to create out of things like wood and metal, or you've been given the ability to create out of numbers, like if you're a scientist or a computer programmer, and you've been given the ability to create out of words. Because that's what God does. He's a creator, right? That he creates things. And he made you in a very particular way so that you can create things too. And so when you go to school and you learn new things, like I do, I learn new things every day, that you should celebrate that because that's a wonderful gift that God has given you as he's made you in his image. And so celebrate the first day of school. I think it's a, a really special time where you get to go and you learn new things in all of your classes. Um, I've always loved English classes. Who loves English classes? Just me? All right, three of us, four of us, all right, five of us. Uh, because like I said, you can use words to create new things that people have never seen before. That you can use words to make people cry or make people laugh or make people go out and do things because God has given you that. He's made that in you. And so I've always loved reading literature, reading things that, that others have written. And the Bible is a literary masterpiece written over thousands of years by many different authors and all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That it is the word of God that is given to us as a great gift. And we should read it. We should eat it. We should digest it. We should revel in it. We should delight in it. The Bible is a literary masterpiece. There are lots of different genres within that Bible. There are narratives or historical accounts like in Exodus or Luke and Acts. There are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are letters, epistles, right? Like the letters that Paul wrote, the letter that James wrote. There are a variety of letters in the New Testament. There's apocalyptic literature. And then for the past several weeks, past, gosh, four, five, six weeks, we've been going through poetry in the Bible, that the Psalms is a book of poetry. And poetry uses imagery. It uses techniques to make it memorable so that you can sing it, 
so that you can remember it, so that you can meditate on it day and night. Psalms are beautiful. They're, they're allow, they allow us to worship God in a new and different way. And tonight we're going to look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is in the biggest book of the Bible. The biggest book of the Bible is the book of Psalms. If you actually have a Bible book, it's right in the middle. So if you open up your book, it's right in the middle of your Bible. And Psalm 119 is the biggest chapter in the biggest book. And so theologians have a very technical term for Psalm 119. It's called the what psalm? The giant psalm. And they call it the giant psalm because you know what? Because it's big. It's giant. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And Psalm 119 in particular is called a wisdom psalm. It doesn't mean that it imparts wisdom in particular. There's another type of genre in the Bible called wisdom literature, like uh, Proverbs, right? Y'all read Proverbs? You should because it tells you good things about godly living. Or the law, like the Pentateuch, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, It's a wisdom psalm in the sense that it celebrates the wisdom of God. It celebrates the law. It says that we should delight in the law, that we should meditate on the law day and night, that it should, we should follow it with our hearts, we should be obedient to it, and then when we fall away, we should repent, because the law shows us our affliction. But listen, I'm going to give you a little preview that I really think that the wisdom psalms, they're about obedience and they're about repentance, but that really they're about anticipation. They're all about anticipation. Now, you think about that, we're going to blow something up at the end here. So you can anticipate that, okay? Have you ever seen an explosion at Elevate? You're going to tonight, okay? All right, awesome. Um, my charge to you for the coming month is to read the giant psalm. You're going to take a section every day, and I want you to read it. I want you to find a quiet place in the morning. I think the morning is a great time. And read that section. I'll show you the sections here in just a second. Uh, Psalm 119 is also a different kind of psalm. It uses a literary technique called an acrostic. Do I know what an acrostic is? Do you seriously? Letters, right. It's letters. This is an acrostic. Cat person? I'm sort of a cat person. I'm a cat dog person. Uh, Cats are cuddly. Let's see if I can remember it. Acrobatic? Does it say acrobatic next? Tenacious? What's the S? What's the S? Snugly? Softly purring. (laughs) Uh, It's an acrostic. Acrostics are used to help you remember things. And so the giant psalm, was it memorized? Yeah. Even though it's the longest book in the Bible, that ancient Israelites would memorize the giant psalm. They They memorize the whole Bible, honestly. But they use this technique as an acrostic to help them remember uh, the psalm, help them to keep it close to their heart. You don't see that Psalm 119 is an acrostic, but if you look at it in the Hebrew, and I'll show you here, you don't need to know Hebrew, but I just want to point out something. Um, This is the English. I pull out the laser. I always think my cat's going to go crazy. Do you ever use lasers for your cat? Yeah, yeah, we do too. Uh, So there are different sections in the book of Psalms, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, and it goes on and on throughout the Bible, 22 times. And the reason 22, because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so this is the Aleph. That's like our letter A, sort of. Hebrew reads right to left, so you start here and you go right to left. This is the letter Aleph. 
this is the letter Aleph again, and then this is the letter Aleph again. So it's an acrostic. Every line begins with the same letter. The first verse reads, Happy are they that are upright in the way, who walk in the way of the Lord. By the way, that kind of statement that talks about following the way of the Lord, that talks about following the law, that is a clear marker that this is a wisdom psalm. So as you're reading through the psalms and you come upon something like that, that talks about obedience and the law, about delighting in the law, then that will key you in. It's like, hey, this is a wisdom psalm, and it's all about celebrating the law of God. It's all about being obedient to the law of God. Here's the bet section. Uh, it looks like Beth, but it's actually pronounced bet. Uh, this is the letter bet right here. There it is again, and there it is again. So this is the beginning of the bet section. As you go through this month, you're going to read what? You're going to read Psalm 119. You just pick a letter every single day. It's really, take you two minutes to read it, but take 15 or 20 minutes and just sit and meditate on it, dwell on it, read it over and over, memorize it if you can, but read it over and over and think about it and dwell on it and delight in the word of God as he has given it to us. So three things as we go through Psalm 119, I want you to think about and we're going to talk about is obedience. The Psalm 119 celebrates obedience to the law. It says that that's a great blessing. The man who follows the law of God has been blessed. The second thing we're going to look at is repentance, which Miss Jamie, wonderful sermon two weeks ago on repentance. And we're going to look at what Psalm 119 says about how the law draws us into repentance. And then finally, Obedience and repentance are wonderful, and they're great gifts to us from God. But Psalm 119 is really about anticipating what's to come. And so we're going to talk about anticipation. In fact, I think the entire Bible, the entire arc of the Bible from beginning to end is about anticipating what is to come. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you create words, that you put together letters and words and punctuation, and you make them into phrases and sentences that tell us about who you are, that you have spoken through men and women over many thousands of years, and that you have given us this, this book that tells us everything that we need to know about who you are. And I thank you for your law. I thank you for the ways that you teach us to live, that, that your law is not a prison, that it is a shelter that protects us. And that by your law, you have shown us our affliction, that you have shown us that indeed, without you, we are wretched. And Lord, most of all, we anticipate the coming of your king, that you will set a king on your holy mountain in Zion, and that he will reign in this place, and that he will reign in our hearts, and that he will take your law and write it not on our minds, not just that we follow it, but that we follow it with our heart because he'll write it on our heart. Lord, I pray for these teens and these adults here. I pray that they will revel in you, that they will delight in you, that they will long to just be close to you in every moment. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what was the first thing I want to talk about? There were three things I said. Obedience. Who said that? 
Pat, you can't answer. <laughs> uh, the first thing is all about obedience. That Psalm 119 and all the wisdom psalms are about obedience. Not about giving you things that you have to follow, but just celebrating obedience. Let's read this verse. Y'all might know this verse. I expect some of you have memorized it. Somebody want to read this for me? Who wants to read it? Who is going to read it? Okay, awesome. Who is that? Caroline? Read it loud. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Caroline. So here, the psalm is talking about the word, right? They refer twice to this, that, uh, where is it? According to your word and from your commandments. He's talking about the law. King David wrote this psalm, and he's talking about the law. Uh, When he talks about the law, he means a couple different things. He means the Pentateuch. You know what Penta means? What number is Penta? Five. So that's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Right, the first five books of the Bible. And then he's also talking about the writings of the prophets. Haggai, I like Haggai. We wanted to name Micah Haggai, but Kaiser wouldn't go for it. Uh, Haggai, Obadiah, Isaiah, the prophets. He's talking about the entirety of the Bible as they had it at the time. The Old Testament. Now, we would look at the word that we know that, that Jesus Christ has revealed God to us, that Jesus Christ, in fact, is God, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and that he came here and he revealed to us who God is, that he is the king. He is the king that brings the kingdom of God to reign on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we look at the word or the law, we'll look at the whole Bible, that the whole Bible is, is a delight to follow and obey. Um, so all of the Bible, David did not view the law as a prison. And I know that some of you view the law as a prison, that when you look at the law, you think, oh, a list of rules that you have to follow. And by the way, those rules are going to keep me from having fun, keep me from having fun, keep me from having fun. Is that what you think of when you think of rules? Thank you for being honest, Bella Dishman. I appreciate that. That we often think of rules or the law as a prison, but King David did not think of the law as a prison. Absolutely not. In fact, none of the ancient Israelites ever thought of the law as a prison. They thought of the law as a shelter. That it wasn't a prison, that it was a shelter. Because all throughout the Bible... The, the Bible refers to people as sheep. And sheep, left to their own devices, will get eaten by the bears and the panthers and, I don't know, the cougars in the Middle East. They'll get eaten, or sometimes they just fall over on their back and they can't get up again. They're just their little legs stick up in the air and they can't get up. Or sometimes they just can't find food. Or sometimes they'll find water, but then they fall in and they get all logged up with water and they just drown. So sheep, without a sheep shepherd, are helpless. They're an easy target for prey. They are dead. And so 
the ancient Israelites, they looked at the law as a shelter, that it wasn't something to keep them from having fun, it was a shelter. Now, of course, all throughout the history of mankind, we've had this struggle, right? Because we don't like people to tell us what to do. I don't like people to tell me what to do because I can figure out what's right all by myself. Adam and Eve, oh, surely, surely it's going to be good to eat. I'll I'll decide on my own what I can do. I'll decide what's right and wrong. And that's our bent, isn't it? Isn't it? Do y'all like people telling you what to do? No, no. But the law, we can't look at it as a prison. We have to look at it as a shelter. What is the law? It's a shelter. It's a place of protection for God's people. Not just that, but in Acts... Let's see, let's go back to that verse. Um, Not only do the wisdom psalms call us to obedience but they call us to an obedience of the heart. They call us to an obedience of the heart. That we can follow the law. We can follow the way of God. We can do the things that God wants us to. But if we're not following in the right heart, then it's not really like following him at all. Let me give you an example. In Acts, we've been reading through Acts in our D group lately. Um, And in Acts... The apostles are with Jesus. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, that's what the Acts is, right? It's it's the Acts of the resurrected Jesus. And through his Holy Spirit, what he does in the early church. And so the apostles there are with Jesus in his bodily, he's there, he's there, he's right there. And he tells them, go out into all these areas, out into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth, and you will be my witnesses. And so what do the apostles do? What would you do if the creator of the universe told you to do something? Would you do it or would you not? The creator of the universe tells you to do something, you do it. And they did it. And they did it with great joy and trembling. They went out and they told people about what they had seen and about what he had taught them. And as they go about that, they begin to face lots of opposition because they're struggling with the power structures, beginning to take away power from the people that are there by this new teaching that they have from Jesus. And they go before the council, the the Jewish council of Sanhedrin. And that council um, ultimately wants to put them to death for what they've been doing. Because it's blasphemy. Saying that Jesus is God is blasphemy. And so they say, we're going to put you to death. We're going to execute you. But this man comes, a Jewish man, Gamaliel, And he says, you know what, council, you really shouldn't do anything here because if these men and women are not from God, then they will wither away. They'll just go away. But if they are from God, do you want to be found in opposition to them? Do you really want to be on the side that opposes the God of the universe? And the council's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And what they did, they called in the apostles They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I told Kaiser's like, they beat them. Gamaliel just had this big, long, eloquent thing, and then they beat them. And Kaiser's like, well, they didn't execute them, so I guess that was their their thing, right? Um, We don't know how they beat them exactly, but we're pretty sure that they used something like this because this was standard practice of the day. It was a whip. It had three prongs. It had broken glass or metal embedded into the leather, 
and they would give them 39 lashes. They would have two on the back, whoosh, whoosh, and then they'd have one on the front, whoosh, and they'd do that 13 times. One, two, three, one, two, three. 39 times they'd do that, 13 triplets. And you might ask, why 39? Do you ask that? Yeah. The reason is, it goes back to Deuteronomy. Because these are good Jewish men and women. And they are going to follow the law. They will follow it to the letter. In fact, they're going to even do a little bit better than the law. Because the law allows them to give up to 40 lashes. Never give more than 40 lashes. Because 40 lashes will only act to publicly humiliate your neighbor. And so this law... This rule that God has given them is to prevent people from just giving excessive punishment. That if you have a small crime, you just get a few lashes. If you have a, a big crime, then you get the full 40. It's a continuum, and it allows them to show mercy even in the face of executing judgment on a person. It allowed them to show mercy. But over the years, they had taken this, this rule, not following it by obedience of the heart, but just, I don't know, trying to play a power play with this rule, and they said, well, we're just going to get 39 lashes all the time, and that's going to be our thing. And that's what they did. Everybody that came before them got 39 lashes. They were not exhibiting the mercy. They were not following the law with their hearts. So, with obedience, we are not to look at the law as a prison, but we're to look at it as a shelter, and that as we follow the law, as we follow the way of God in life, it is to be an obedience of the heart. Jamie preached about repentance, and she preached about the weight of glory. Remember that? the weight of glory, and the great burden of sin, that as we have sin on our lives, that it becomes a great burden. And as she preached that, it was, it, was a, it was about a month before when she preached about this sermon on repentance that I was talking to my wife, Kaisa, about an event that occurred in my life many years ago. I was 15. I'm 43 now, so what's that, 28 years ago? Um, Is that right? Is it 28? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, And that event, just a couple of months ago, came back to me as I was just telling Kaiser. I never really thought about it. I never thought that it was wrong. I never thought that I held any culpability, that I held any guilt for this event. I just never really even thought about it. It was centered around this car. This was my first car. It's actually not the actual first car. My first car had lots of rust spots on it. Uh, I paid $500 for it. It's a 77 Celica GT. Yeah, it had a four-cylinder under the hood. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) It had an eight-track player in the dashboard. Yeah. You know an eight-track? It's sort of like a CD, but in a big plastic case. And you put it in, and you can go between songs. It It was... was cutting edge for the day. And I only had two 8-tracks because I'm, I'm a little young for 8-tracks, but they were holding on. But I had two 8-tracks from my parents. I had Queen's Greatest Hits 
And then I had Jim Stafford. And Jim Stafford, you probably don't know. He's like a country humor singer, like a comedy singer. Anyway, it had light beige brown seats inside of it. And underneath, whoop, whoop, I'm sorry, underneath this, this little visor, oh, I had a sunroof. Underneath the little visor, there was like a big flat area where you could let the seats down. There was carpet back there. And so I remember, is this a stool? Okay. I remember, are you sure? <laughs> I remember one night, I was 15. I just got in this car. And I was 15. And I was with another guy who was 22 and a young girl who was 13. And we were just out riding. I mean, it was raining. It was raining. And it was dark. And I was driving. It was my car, so I was driving. And about the age of my daughter, Ada. Where's Ada? She's about the age of Ada. And I told Kaiser about this, this event that happened one night. Um, never occurred to me that what I had done was wrong. Never occurred to me until that moment that I told her. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Chad, you need to repent for this. You need to seek forgiveness for this. He revealed this to me, and he's revealed things to me before that are sins. Like, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of sin. If we are his children, he convicts us of sin, and he disciplines us. So on that night, that 22-year-old man assaulted that young girl, and I didn't even think it was wrong. I didn't think anything of it. Until a couple of months ago, as I was telling Kaisa. And it was just that great burden of sin. You know, as Miss Jamie talked about, that not only the burden of the guilt towards that person, I mean, that woman is 40 years old today. How has that impacted her life? But the greater burden is the great injustice that I had committed against the Lord Almighty, who is holy and righteous and will not tolerate sin. And so, I pray for her. I don't, I don't know where she is. She's not around here. Um, and I'm very grateful that even though I am wretched, even though I was lost in my affliction, that the Holy Spirit of God showed me the need for repentance, showed me the need to seek forgiveness, showed me the wretchedness that I am. That's what the Word does. The Word does that to us. In Psalm 119, he says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. The law shows us our affliction through the Holy Spirit, calls us to repentance, and convicts us of sin, and by the Son, by Jesus Christ, gives us forgiveness and salvation. And that is a wonderful gift. That is a gift that no man can give you. That no other person can ever give you that. And so, Psalm 119, the wisdom psalms, they call us to obedience. And when we are disobedient, they call us to repentance. And that repentance, like the obedience, is a great gift. I love this word, the delight. I think of our cat. I talk about my cat a lot. His name's Frodo, by the way. He's a, a great tabby. Uh, and Frodo... When, he, when we pull out the laundry, is this just my cat? When I pull out the laundry, like the clean laundry from the dryer, and we throw it on the bed to, to dry it, or to, you know, what do we do? 
Fold it, yes. To fold it, the cat, Frodo, will crawl up onto the laundry and he'll fall on his back and just start rolling in the laundry. Do your cats do that? Your dog does that? Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I just look at him and I see the wonderful delight in him that he's, de- he's delighting in our clean laundry because, you know, I think it reminds him of us, I guess. Maybe I'm reading too much into his actions, but it looks like delight. And God wants us to delight in obedience. He wants us to delight in his law. Not just follow the rules, not just follow, the, it's not really about the rules. It's about following him with our heart. Finally, the law is really, I think, I think it's really about anticipation. Really about anticipation. Obedience is important. Like God gives us a way to live, and blessed is the man who walks in the ways of the Lord. Repentance is important. That when we sin against the God Almighty, that he calls us to repentance. And not only is that just something he asks us to do, but it's a great gift to us because it lifts that burden, that weight of sin that is upon us. But that really it's about anticipation. And to understand this, I think you need to understand a little bit about the Psalms, the the entire book. Because, you know, the book of Psalms was written over many years. Many different people wrote the book of Psalms. Moses wrote uh, at least one book, at least one chapter in the book of Psalms. Solomon wrote some. David wrote a lot of Psalms. Uh, The sons of Korah, I don't know who the sons of Korah are, but they wrote a bunch of Psalms. Uh, Asaph wrote some of the Psalms, and a lot of them are written by anonymous authors. About a third of them are written by anonymous authors, but they were written over many different years, right? Moses and David didn't live at the same time. So many years, they wrote these Psalms. Um, And then later, after the Babylonian exile, you understand, for a Jewish person, for the ancient Israelites, the exodus was important. That was like a watershed moment. It marked their life, their culture, everything about them. And the exile was a similar watershed moment in the history of their people. And so after the exile, after they all come back, they put together this collection of hymns, this collection of songs, this collection of poetry. And they put it together in a very particular way. They made five books of collected psalms. And then there were two psalms at the very beginning which were intended to be introductory psalms. And you know an introduction, y'all write a good introduction? Like you cover all your main points in the introduction, right? If you write an introduction, most of the main points, and then in the conclusion again, and then it's like all supporting stuff in the middle. And so the first two Psalms, Psalms 1 and 2, which you're going to read this week, look like this. Psalm 1 reads, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Hey, what kind of psalm is this? If you were to classify it, what would it be? It would be a what? <laughs> it's a wisdom psalm. And I can tell that it's a wisdom psalm because it has this delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what wisdom psalms talk about, that they talk about delighting in the law of the Lord. So it's like what we've been talking about. But Psalm 2 is quite a bit different. Psalm 2 isn't that long, so we're going to read the entire thing. Are you ready? Yeah. It's kind of exciting. Psalm 2. 
Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. What are they looking at the law as? As a shelter or a prison? As a prison. And let us tear these away and cast them and tear their cords from us. But he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I have installed my king. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Begotten, not created, begotten. It is the son of God. He is the anointed. He is the king. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Rejoice with trembling at the sight of the king, at the sight of the anointed, at the sight of the holy one. Do homage to the Son, that He not become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. As you see, the entire arc of the Bible, the entire arc of the Psalms, is about the coming Messiah. The entire Bible is written about that. And every good ancient Israelite kid would read the Bible and they would say, Messiah, Messiah, or Mashiach, Mashiach. They would look for the coming Messiah because they know that when he comes, his law will reign. And the law is like a a taste of something to come, a taste of justice and righteousness and what is good here on earth as it is in heaven. That that's really what it's all about is that the kingdom of God will be here on earth as it is in heaven, that the reign of God will be here. John the Baptist said, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. What did he mean, the kingdom of God is at hand? He meant that the king was in the room. Right? If you have a kingdom, you have a king. And the king was there. And he saw him and he said, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. That there is the king and he's here with us now. Because when we gather together, it says in the Bible, that when we gather here to worship him, that the king is here. You know, the law is really just a byproduct of a king, right? That you can't have a law without a king. Can you? Who makes the law? The king makes the law. And so Jesus Christ, who is God, who is the anointed, who is the Messiah that the ancient Israelites have been looking to for all those years that they talk about in Psalms 1 and 2 and all throughout the Bible, is here and he has come. That's something I want to show you. Uh, You can bring it out, Noah. Thank you. I want you to think about anticipation. Because like I said, Psalm 2, Psalm, the wisdom Psalms. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Noah. 
They're all about anticipate. Can y'all hear me without the mic? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to put this down. Okay, so I don't need you to hold it the entire time. Okay. Oh. So I'm going to show you a video. This is like a little demo. It's a science demo. Science is cool, right? Yeah, because it's like, you know, the order of God on nature, right? Absolutely. Yes. So it's a little science demo. It's one I do for our department. I'm a physics professor, right? So um, I'm going to show you a video. That's a video that I put together. But I want you to think of the video as sort of like the law. Like the law is an image of what's to come. The reign, of, the reign excuse me, God's reign, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But then I'm going to show you to in real life, right? I want you to anticipate it. Anticipate the coming of the king. Or in this case, anticipate. We're going to have a little explosion up here. It's going to be kind of cool, actually. Okay? So uh, let's go ahead and watch the video. And you know what happens when you put liquid nitrogen into a plastic bottle and close it up tight? You want to find out? Let's find out. I'm going to put about 100 milliliters in the bottle. Or maybe a little more. Now we need more than that. <laughs> Close it up tight. Now we'll wait. Now, the, uh, the liquid nitrogen boils at about minus 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And as that liquid turns into a vapor, it expands by almost 900 times. So right now it's expanding inside of that plastic bottle and the pressure is increasing more and more and more. And now we wait. Listen, y'all, the law is, did it blow up? I thought it blew up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, that was, that was pretty loud. Uh, listen, the law is all about anticipating the kingdom to come. It's all about anticipating the king who has come and will come again. And that king is Jesus Christ. That king has bought us at an incredible price. He is made a way for us to be children 
of the Father, that you can call yourself a daughter or a son of the God Most High. And that is an incredible gift. And that is something that you should be rejoice with great trembling, that it is a wonderful and frightening place to be, but such an incredible gift to you. Let's pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the wonderful gift of your law, the wonderful gift of your wisdom, that you call us to obedience, not as a prison, but as a shelter to protect us, to show us your way, to show us the sin in our life, to call us to forgiveness and to release us from that terrible and great burden of sin. Lord, I thank you for the anticipation that we await and we say, Messiah, Messiah, Messiah. Oh, Lord, come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you for the gift of salvation that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you will bless these young men and women as they read through Psalm 119, that you will speak to them, that you will allow them to delight in your law, that you will teach them to meditate on it day and night and day and night, and that they approach you rejoicing with great trembling. We love you, Lord. We, we long to be close to you. We long to experience you more and more every day. We long to be more and more like you as you make us that way by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.